Hey, it's Rebecca, and you can hear new episodes of No Limits four days early on TuneIn. What kept you going? What made you believe this could be real for me? There was no doubt in my mind because the alternative was, was, I just can't think what the alternative is. Just staying in my little town, in my little room. I just didn't think, I said, I'm going to be a rock and roll star. From ABC, it's No Limits. I'm Rebecca Jarvis, and each week we're talking to the most bold and influential women playing at the top of their game, trying to demystify success and what it really takes to get there and all the trade-offs. Whether you're looking for answers or you just want to hear a good story, you're in the right place. On today's show, Taylor Danes, the iconic singer-songwriter who sold over 75 million singles and albums, has had 18 singles on Billboard's Top 10 and has even toured with Michael Jackson. It all started with her explosive 80s hit, Tell It To My Heart. And now, 30 years later, she continues to make her mark on the music industry. Taylor Dane, welcome to No Limits. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Thank so excited you. to have you here. I don't know if you know this or not, but my producer, Taylor Dunn. <laughs> Taylor Dunn, Taylor Dane, her, her mother. Her mother yeah. loves your music, loves your name. Mm, so amazing. as soon as we as soon as we heard about you and the availability, we were like, that's, that's it. This has to be No Limits. So Absolutely. She probably was named after me, I'm sure. <laughs> Singer, songwriter, actress. You've sold 75 million singles and albums 18 singles have reached billboards top 10 you've starred on broadway you've toured with michael jackson and now it is coming up on the 30th anniversary of your iconic hit tell it to my My heart heart. (laughs) do you ever get sick of people doing that by the way no, because, oh, my God, with this Cheetos campaign, right? <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Frito-Lay. Um, it's been so much fun because, I, I guess, you know, this this whole carpool karaoke thing, it took off, you know. Did you feel it before it came out? Did you feel like it was going to have this clicking thing that every person was going to be? classic song that's on the radio for 30 years? No. You don't know <laughs> these kind of things. You just, you go for it. When When you first heard Tell It To My Heart playing on the radio. Yeah. What was that moment like for you? Well, it was released as a single. So it was single, single option album, how I was signed to Arista Records. So it was dropping first in Europe. But let's get to the part where the first time I heard it, essentially, was on a mix show, right? A midnight. Well, when we were you know, doing dance then was everything broke in the clubs. Everything that even went to radio, mm. pop radio here in New York. I remember when Kiss FM got on, got on, and that's when I started going like, "Whoa, who's this? Who's that?" That was Charday. That was like, mm, I don't know, eighty three, eighty four. Of course, Madonna, and then it just went from there. And then MTV had the biggest impact on uh, mm-hmm. impact, excuse me, on that. And so you know, it's it's just it's 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 wild stuff. It's wild how the difference in. 20, 30 years, looking back on my career now, 30 years. No, you do not know when you have a smash hit slash you know a great song if you do, but you don't know the impact it'll have on your fans and people. I mean, you think about the music industry and a lot of people when we were talking about doing this interview were talking about the fact that your music so much associated with dance music, you know, in the club, you want to dance to it. How do you think of dance music today compared to the dance music that you created? Well, 
let's just start with in 1988, there was no internet. They're attempting at it, but there was no sharing of any. There was no streaming. There were no cell phones. So just start there. That's how we share our music. That's how we share our entertainment now. So just because of that alone, we sold records. Do you think it was more difficult then or more, more easier then? Because there's sort of a trade-off, uh, right? There is a complete trade-off. So the competition is, is insanely fierce right now. Um even if you ask people that are in film and television because there's so many avenues and outlets for on cable and, and then, of course, we have incredible TV and everything between Amazon, right, Netflix, you name it. So to get attention as an artist, you have to come out and break through so many, so many other ways. But um, the other – and it, it's so like, you know, almost like farm to table. People can put their own material out so much easier now because the production value – you can do it in your own home. We have that capability. We have computers. We have edited. You know, it's all very capable. Um, that wasn't really the case then. We always did in studios. Things were very costly, and it was just far more time-consuming, essentially. Um, that part, for sure, is different. Um, we did sell a lot of records then. It's a real singles business now, and people will tell you that. Mm. But then again, download those singles. Like, And then when we were – I mean, even remember when Cher had that real um, – drama when she did a hair commercial and she was trying to brand out and, and flesh out more you know beauty and, and, and she people got hated real, that hated it she's felt she felt like she got black ostracized and black marketed on that because you know she wasn't cool anymore and now everybody does that i don't care they're doing zit commercials yes <laughs> they do because that's where their money is it's in marketing you know advertising and and that's how then the flip is where it's become such big money they're designers they're clothing designers there you know right you have to be in so many different areas you can't just do one thing well i think if you ask me monetarily where the money is you know and where artists you know they attach you have to attach yourself to that kind of brand placement it makes a big impact mm, that is yeah. so interesting how did you figure out the business side of it when you were getting your start? How you did, don't figure it out. You don't. So you figure you it misled? out through attorneys and uh, and a lot of no's. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it is a music business. And uh, unfortunately, it, we are very young when we get into this business. And the success, it's, it's nothing short of like athletes that get – all that, if you do have that opportunity and that that gift to to be successful, which people consider it overnight, but you're not an athlete overnight. Same way as you're not a musician and getting that kind of success overnight. It took took years and years and years and years of of practice and and you know drive and a lot of no's, but um, no's from all the. Mm, I was passed on numerous times by different you know, labels for sure. And even tell it to my heart was Arista ended up picking it up as a single, like I said, but we had already recorded it. We recorded a number of those songs off the first record because I was also a demo singer, <laughs> you know, like somebody had to pay the bills and I was working in a Russian nightclub in Brighton beach singing on the weekends, making money, had to pay the bills. What kept you going? What made you believe this could be real for me? There was no doubt in my mind because the alternative was 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 oof, I just can't think what the alternative is just staying in my little town in my little room I just didn't think I said I'm going to be a rock and roll star but I was saying that since six and thank you God for for blessing me with this opportunity truly over these years saying that really. since six what did your parents think when you would say that they were like get the hell out of the way really <laughs> they were like what 
now because the voice would come out. Like by fourth grade, I had a solo singing Jacques Brel, if anybody looks that up, Carousel. So That's I was easy. supported a little bit by some of the teachers, a couple of teachers. And, um, you know, fear is an incredible motivator when you're a certain, you know, we, we, we take that for granted. But at the same time, um, it motivated me. I was so scared to not be able to do what I, what I wanted, what I dreamed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your parents were mm-hmm. Holocaust survivors. I read they are children. Children uh, of my, Holocaust survivors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. First generation. They sure are. So no family, no other family. Um, my mother's mother survived, came here at 15, um, Poland. Um, she uh, had a child later in life, which was my mother. So it was a very different. My father, his father moved here whole new family. It was an arranged marriage when he got here. He lost his entire family. So I don't have many, we don't have cousins. We don't have, you know, my father had many siblings, but they did not speak after many years. And there was, I think there was, my father was in the Korean War. So his brother was in the the Second World War. I mean, very different times. Very, very different. How much of that childhood do you think motivated you, gave you the drive to achieve, to accomplish things? Well, interesting, you know, interesting question because I am now, you know, 2018 will mark my 30th year and um, I'm just, I'm writing a memoir and I've asked my question that, that question has been asked to me numerous times. A lot of it, I have no problem saying now, was fear-based, you know, fear of being stuck, fear of, is this all there is, you know? Um, um, I had a, a pretty chaotic – my parents were um, not victims of their own childhood, but let's be honest. They were children that all of a sudden started to raise children, and they came from a very um, unhappy background, you know, um, not very supported. So they uh, – it was there was some violence in my home. There was – you know, my father was a tough – was a tough nut, you know. But it's hard to look back at that now in one way. While you're writing, you're going into these depths of the reasons why I, I – the radio was my best friend. I, I literally had a transistor radio that to drown out the screaming in the house, I just had up to my ear in my bedroom. And I had two brothers. So they – of course, they got to sleep together, but I had nobody. Like they wouldn't – and then even if I tried to sneak in their room at night if I was so scared because, you know, the screaming and yelling, I they'd be like, get out. And I was like, oh, geez, so – Wow. The radio, the music kind of saved my life. You, In your TED Talk, you said that your voice is the thing that saved your life. Yeah, literally and figuratively, it did. It did. It was a safe. Some kids will say it was the basketball. You know, for me, it was, it was music. I could lose myself. And then I could also become somebody else because I practiced. And it, believe me, I started to sing like Stevie Wonder eventually. <laughs> you know, you just sit there and you just I just mimicked and just had to get as good as I could get because I said, this is going to get me off the streets. This is going to get me out of here. So how did you learn? How do you, you mimic? Mimic, imitation, imitation, Would you mimicking. make your voice sound the way that another artist Entirely. Voice? Wow. All by ear. But ultimately, um, I did study then classically and then operatically, ultimately, because I just knew I was going to be banging it up in the clubs and doing exactly what I was doing. I didn't have the intention of taking of singing classically i had the intention of going off and being a pop a pop artist a, a rock and roll star is what i probably said it's sick when you go like oh she's such a pop star no we weren't thinking like that yeah no, no. that would have been I just had pictures on the wall david cassidy that's about it <laughs> yeah. more no limits after this quick word from our sponsor are you hiring 
Join the over 3 million businesses that use Indeed.com for hiring. Post your next job opening on the world's number one job site, Indeed.com. What for you has been the toughest lesson along the way? Well, again, music business. Um, Everything we do is very personal. I make music and it comes from a personal place, meaning... I got a song, even if it was written by somebody else, Diane Warren, whatever, if I did not collaborate on it, every lyric I have to take inside and transform into a place, into a into a story that I believe in. Um, the business is where it gets transformed back into like nobody cares. They don't care. It's, it comes down to numbers and dollars and cents and how much. And, you know, really learning how to navigate through those water and 30 years later and becoming a, a woman in the business standing here strong 30 years later, I've really had to learn. And and happily now, I know how to run some stuff. Mm-hmm. I know how to run. I know what the business components operate us. And you still have to surround yourself with some really, you know, top-notch good people. And um, you really do. And people that listen to you and trust you and also that you trust implicitly because there was a lot of thievery going on. Believe me. Tell me about that. It's just the business made up of a lot of people coming in for dreams and people are just hunkering down, taking the money. You know, there was a lot of that whole payola thing. I mean, there was so much going on. The money goes somewhere. Where I'm does it go? you streaming. Well, it's different now because it's going direct to artists now that are have the courage to go directly to. I mean, they're putting their their music out through, you know, TuneCore. They're doing it if they get that opportunity. And nobody signed. There are no labels. They imploded. They imploded. And rightly so, although the machine was, you know, as we all know, we're sitting here in ABC today, you know. The machine is an incredible machine when it's working and all pistons are shooting, you know. But um, it can take far advantage of a young of a young person. The good thing, what I used to say about the music industry is it needs to have the kind of, if you understand the sports industry, how percentages are, are given to, you know, athletes have, Mm -hmm. how they are taken together as a team player. Yes, they negotiate separately, but um, I would say, look at some of the contracts for baseball players and hockey players, and then look at some of the contracts that musicians have signed. Rights for life. Look at a look at a deal for two to three years for a baseball player, a seven year, and how much his guarantee is, and then look at what the agent gets or the manager, maybe five percent, and we're talking fifteen to twenty percent on musicians, gross. The agent or the manager gets fifteen to twenty percent, correct? And well, then agent you... always gets ten. On top of that, you're looking at another fifteen in the day, sometimes twenty percent for management. Then you got an attorney coming in that wants five percent. Don't even get me started. These are, there are not, there's not enough governing. There's not enough, uh, in my opinion, and how I always felt is our union, there was not a supportive union that protected young talent because it happened, and even sports. And, you know, it used to be SAG stepped up, you know, for, for um, in the, in the uh, actor and actress world, it became a really good um, union. Um, in the music world, I, I've yet, I mean, the, the merging of AFTRA with SAG, um, we'll have to see, but that's probably a lot of where the laws have gotten really, they're just still not impacting the way it should have. I mean, you know, you saw it from Prince, you saw it from George Michael, heard it from Michael Jackson, you know, there's a lot of that, always was. You started out so young in all of this. How did you find people you could trust? It's, it's hit and miss. Trial and, and error. Over time. Yeah, I, I didn't get out unscathed on any level. Um, 
but the tenaciousness and, and you know part of that why I'm still here is because uh, I stand around long enough you get to sit down I believe in that and also I have something to say and I've protected preserved my voice and um, protected and preserved my career Sometimes, like I said, out of fear and then also out of a joy for it now. You talk about preserving your voice. Mm-hmm. How hard is it when you're out touring night after night performing? Yeah. Well, a lot of people, you know, I've been in this now, the 20s, 30s, and now and 40s. And now at 50, um, I have to say, sleep is probably the number one thing I tell, I teach. And anybody wants the knowledge, I give it to them. How much sleep do you get? Um, not enough. But <laughs> I must tell you, the shut, shutting it down is the only way you can preserve your voice. Truly, because it's tough. So do you have no talking times? No speaking times? No, I wish. Thank you, Celine. (laughs) Thank you for getting us all in trouble. No, what happened was um, in the day with no cells and no, you know, we had to really show up a lot for every radio, every interview, and I physically had to get there. Um, So imagine, you know, it's not like we could do, you know, any simulcast anything. So I just remember I lost my voice a lot. And the only thing was I had to just stop and all the press I would do during the day. And then I'd have to do a show at night. So you just and I used to hate my guitar player. I hated my drummer. I'd look at them. I go, you get to take your instrument and put it in a box. You get to put it away in a case. I can't. And, oh, you guys want to ask me questions, and I just got to go in the back of the bus and shut it down and read a book. But, yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, sleep is a must. Ask my kids, trust me. Single mom with two kids, they, they get all – let me tell you. Twins, just, right? Oh, yeah, boy and girl. But they're 15 now. But when they were like two and three and, you know, you have to get up and give them breakfast, they'd come to the bed if once they were – you know, climbing out of baby jail, they just like nudge on my bed. They just like it almost was like I looked up. I go, oh my god! Like what is it? It was literally like they would just go. Mm. They, I knew you don't have to say much. I was like very sensitized, so like they'd nudge the bed and I'd pop right up. Like time for cereal, <laughs> <laughs> cereal time, juice. What what gives you the biggest charge about? being a musician and being a performer? Is it being out on the stage? Is it coming up with something or hearing it in the booth and just knowing that it's... Oh, yeah. I'll tell you. Stage is incredible. Those moments and challenging yourself because... But when you do new music, I mean, I love being in the studio. But then again, when if I'm in the studio too much, then I'm like, God, get me back out on a stage. Let me have that that feeling, that, that electricity. But boy, oh boy, even in the studio, I love that feeling of going, damn, I usually go up there. Sometimes if I'll do like six or seven takes, if we're going to be actually doing a lead vocal and not just writing session and I'll just goal, goal. I have like my goal hands up. You guys she's making, yeah, I she's make like a goal, a goal sign. I'm like, Oh, that's a goal. And then if like I do all my vocals. So when we comp them, I'll do like one through six and then I make an actual Wait, graph. What does that mean when you comp them? Well, when you comp your vocals, let's say I did six takes and I like to do things from top to bottom. That means I don't just sing verses and blah. I need the feel. Everything has to. So I sing from top to bottom. And then, then I'll go back and do what we punch in or we'll do a um, an out track, which is all like ad libs. Like, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. And the hoo-hoo, baby, 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 that kind of stuff. And then going in, I'll make a graph. So if I did six lead vocals, I'll make a graph. I'll go one through six and I'll go down and then I'll chart it out and I'll pie it. And then I'll go through every line and I'll go, let's say the first song was saying goodbye. That was the first. So we'll go saying goodbye. And I go, give me two lines. It was never an easy thing. And then we'll sit there and I'll go, which one is the best sound? Word to word even. You choose the very best word in each of those takes? If it's gotten that anal, yes. Yes. Uh, is that what you do every every song? 
Yeah. <laughs> That's what it takes, right? So how long does it take to get through one song? It could be four or five hours. But remember, I do top to bottom, six. I mean, maybe number six is the worst take you ever heard in your life. And you're like, just blow it out. And then maybe I only got up to like the bridge on, on four. So then we're like, this is unusable or whatever. But yeah, usually I have to give myself a good six. I would imagine you are approached all the time by musicians. What do I do? <laughs> what do I do with my life? How do I make it happen? It's so different now. Um, you have the opportunity to do it completely on your own. You can get on you. I, like my son is a great singer. People are like, oh, your kid's blessed. And I go, my son can blow. My, my son is an incredibly gifted singer. But he hasn't put out his, any videos. He's not out there. He's not hungry. He's not hungry for that. I know what he's hungry for. Every question he asks me every day is about science, math. I go, forget it. You're a numbers dude. Get the hell out of my face. You're not, you know, not going into the music. I go, this will be here. But you need, you know, if it's scholastically, if that's what you want. No, it takes absolute, it just don't stop. Can't stop. The outlier, listen, outliers, the formula is what it is. It takes 10,000 hours. Doesn't matter what to be great at something, to be superior at it. Put those hours in. And how do you feel? So you said your son is an amazing singer. Yeah. How would you feel if your son or your daughter wanted to pursue this industry today? I'd say put your 10,000 hours in because <laughs> you can pursue it all you want. But if you want to still be sitting in the garage, put six in. Watch what happens. Put seven in and watch what happens. Won't happen. What is the worst advice you've received over your career? A couple of lawyers gave me some really crappy, crappy advice. Business always is going. I'm going to say a business advice like that. Love and all those other things. I think uh, anything emotionally like that. We're all going to have our own. We're going to have our feelings about things. You know, from what the good, the bad, and the ugly. What I've learned from my parents. You know, they were my source of everything, and I'm blessed. And um, but but sure. What do they tell you to do or not to do? Oh, you just never know whose agenda's in the mix. You don't know. It's not yours. Stick to your guts. Not necessarily your feelings, but your guts, because they don't lie. Gut, guts are telling you something. Feelings can lie. They can because they can get in the way. So you have to get centered a lot. You have to work on, you know, not coming from a fearful place, not coming from a just complete joyful place. All heart, 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 you know. Again, it's a music business, and yet these business suits want to tell you what they want the, to have that personal experience with the music, though. And yet you can't make music that way. You have to really be... You know, ask all the hip-hop artists how they do it. They have to shut it off and they just get in another zone because they have to authentically be making those beats and then they have to make those, those. you know, I don't know how they do it, but they'll tell you. You have to go into a different place. It's another zone. If you could go back and tell yourself one thing at the beginning of Tell It To My Heart, mm. one piece of advice you'd go back and give yourself, what would it be? I would have said take that manager in L.A. <laughs> and somebody call... Um, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer back, please. Okay, you have to break this down. What <laughs> what do these two pieces of advice mean? I ended up staying in, in uh, New York. I'm from here. Um, but going to L.A., I would have had a little bit more of a, of a film because I think they asked me for Married to the Mob right then when that came out, Tell It to My Heart. There's a lot of interesting opportunities that that song just alone opened up. But I, I hunkered down here in New York and I just obviously toured and, and went out to promote the record. But that would have been a lot of fun. A lot of uh, That would have been an interesting ride. Well, and I'd be in Malibu, I can guarantee right it. Right now. 
Well, I ended up there. It just took me another 15 years. <laughs> no, I'm not in Malibu right now. I'm in the hills, but I love it. I mean, but I'm a New York girl through and through. It's nothing like this. There's nothing. What an honor to say I'm, I'm from New York. And they go, yeah, we can tell. And I go, I know. <laughs> and then I'm from Long Island, even worse. Uh. <laughs> well, I love it. Thank you so Thank much, you. Taylor Dane. What an honor. Thank you. Thank you, darling. And now it's time for our No Limits Entrepreneur of the Week, where we feature one of our listeners who's building something of her own. And our No Limits Entrepreneur this week is Layla Joy Williams. She is the founder and CEO of Elia Collection, a women's footwear and accessories company. Layla Joy studied industrial design at Pratt Institute in New York, and for the past 18 years, she's been a women's and children's footwear designer for brands like Converse, Nine West, Michael Kors, and Stuart Weitzman something she says has been a huge influence in her career. She founded Elia Collection three years ago and says the biggest turning point for the company was moving the production to Spain. She says it's elevated the product quality and cachet of the brand. An important lesson she says she's learned through the experience so far is to ask for help when you need it. And she says if she could go back and give herself advice at the start, she would tell herself it's going to take time. The fashion business is extremely competitive And even with experience and support, it's a David and Goliath situation for smaller brands. Layla Joy Williams, congratulations on being our No Limits Entrepreneur of the Week. We wish you the very best, and we look forward to seeing your shoes out and about in the real world. Remember, if you or someone you know should be featured here on No Limits as an entrepreneur, send me your nomination to nolimitswithrjpodcast at gmail.com. That's nolimitswithrjpodcast at gmail.com. I love hearing from all of you. I love reading your emails, hearing about your stories and your experiences and the turning points and the decisions that you've made along the way. So keep them coming and don't forget to subscribe to us. Leave us a review. That's how other people hear about the podcast. Love it also when you share it on social media. Remember, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Also on LinkedIn at Rebecca Jarvis. And don't forget to use the hashtag no limits. I also want to give a shout out to the team here that helps make this happen every week. Our producer, Taylor Dunn, our editor, Michelle Bancardo, my research assistant, Annie Osakwe, and the team here at ABC Radio, Elizabeth Hecht, David Rind, Josh Cohan, Steve Jones, Andrew Kelb. Thank you so much for all your support, ABC Radio. We've got the exclusive view behind the table. What is happening here? It's just beautiful chaos. Every day, right after the show, while the topics are still hot, the ladies go deeper into the moments that make the view the view. To be honest, I was thinking about asking him for a foot massage, and then I I just froze. This is the best gig on TV. And you know, anything can happen. That is what we do here. I'm not going to lie, the chair's a little small for my behind. (laughs) (laughs) The View's Behind the Table podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.